This week we're talking about the demographic factors that influence levels of state and city pride. You're in our town now. You're listening to More Research Required. Science and technology! Hello and welcome to More Research Required, a podcast where we answer the questions that no one will give us the money. <laughs> you want to go again? Yeah, one more time. <clears throat> welcome to More Research Required, a podcast where we try to answer the questions no one will give us the money to do. Uh, I'm Amy Giacomucci. I'm Abby Norling Ruggles. So, Abby. What have I'm you sorry, been Sorry, t- I, I just had like a little bit of a pause there because I was distracted by thinking like um, I like a, I almost missed my cue to say my name, and it's because for some reason my brain capitalized our town when you said our town. So I was thinking like the play our town, which what we did it? in high school. I don't, what? I don't remember anything about it. It's very like conceptual, or at least it was when we did it. Like there weren't any props. Everyone just mined all their props. That's like the main thing I remember about our town. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I think, like, there's a bunch of families and it takes place over a really long time. And, like, I th- there's, like, a narrator that breaks the fourth wall, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember anything about Our Town. I did this. Pl- I wasn't in it. I did tech for it. I did the sound design. I made so a nice soundtrack for it. So you saw it, like, a million times. Yeah. No. I mean, like, I... No, I'm sure I, like, knew the whole script at the time, but, like, it just made no lasting impression. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like a play that lots of high schools do because it's very like inoffensive. I have literally no idea what you're talking about, Abby. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would know this play unless you did it in school. I think that's the only reason that you would know it. Anyway, it's a play called Our Town. Oh, much like the thing that I said earlier. Yes. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I don't know, it's about a small town. That's all I got. That's like all there is. What a relevant anecdote to begin our <laughs> podcast with. Yeah, I know. I do a great job. Yeah, we've both been, like, very busy lately. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this might be a little more conversational in tone. I mean, not that we aren't usually, but yeah. mostly I mean that, like, I didn't do as much research as usual. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, aren't people coming here for the creation of studies and also our wonderful rapport as friends? Wow, we have such a great rapport. Yeah, you talk about plays that I don't know. And I... you go, uh, okay. It's <laughs> an example of our great rapport. <laughs> this is the podcast content that everyone craves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So. Okay, so should we go back to actually introducing what we're talking about? Yeah. Um, so our, our question is about, um, I guess, what are the demographic or geographic factors that influence how much state or city pride people feel? And also, like, what I was sort of thinking about related to this, which is not, like, our official question, but just, like... You know, or it's sort of a restatement, which is just what determines whether you feel stronger pride for your city, state, or country. Um, Which also kind of ties it to July 4th, which just happened. Kind of. You know. Oh, right. Yeah. Did you do anything fun for 4th of July? I saw some fireworks. They were fine. 
Yeah, I got onto the roof of the apartment that I'm about to move into, um, and I did end up singing some patriotic songs because we couldn't hear any of the fireworks music, and <laughs> you can't watch fireworks without bad, hyper-American fireworks music. Oh, mine music. didn't have music. You didn't have firework music? No, just fireworks. I mean, some of them were red, white, and blue. There weren't any uh, smiley face ones, which is always the kind that I'm most excited to see because it's always like an adventure whether they're going to like go off in the right direction or come out like super lopsided and weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I just like... I didn't think about it that way. My future roommate has a game she plays where she just like yells a color fireworks can be. And since fireworks can be five colors, usually <laughs> that one comes up within five and then she congratulates herself. <laughs> Wait, she congratulates herself if she gets it within five? Within like, within like a very long time of her saying it even. It's like, it's a very like, she's aware. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're really feeling our country pride. I am sure we all are now at this time. Anyway, yeah, and did you feel so Minnesota pride 24-7 all your life? Uh, that's true. I do. <laughs> but it, it did occur to me that I feel like I, I do feel Minnesota pride 24-7 for 22 years of my life, you know, all the time. Always Minnesota pride. Um, but I like it, it became a lot stronger once I moved out of Minnesota. Right. Yeah. We really need to go in depth about that sometime. But today might not be that day. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely like sort of related to like, you know, I I don't know. We didn't do very much introduction, but um, <laughs> but I was, uh, you know, my my little background reading um, some of it was about uh, social identity theory, I think. Yeah, social identity theory, which is, you know, theories about um, how people identify them themselves based on the groups that they're in. And, like, you know, if you're a Minnesotan in Minnesota, 90% of the people around you are also Minnesotan. So, like, you don't feel that sort of strong need to, like, use it as part of your identity because it's not something that, like, identifies you. But then you leave and, like, it does that more. Right. Like, you don't need to really flaunt a part of your identity if it doesn't deviate from the norm. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it, there's no point in using it to distinguish yourself if it doesn't distinguish you. Mm-hmm. Wow. What are you going to talk about when you go back to Minnesota? I mean, probably still Minnesota stuff, let's be real. <laughs> Like, I mean, I definitely also talk about Minnesota with my Minnesotan friends a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. Minnesota rap scene, our super cool representative, who's the first Muslim woman re le legislator. Um, you know, Minnesota stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. You don't have any Wawa's over there, so your okay. town is nonsense. I also don't know if this is the time to talk about Wawa, but, like, is all of Pennsylvania pride about Wawa and why? Okay, so A of all, I didn't say it was Pennsylvania pride. I am talking more um, Delco specifically because I think that that's just like okay. more of my identity than Pennsylvania as a whole, especially Yeah, I was actually given... kind of thinking, I was like sort of making lists of like places that I thought of as having strong pride. And definitely it feels to me like 
you know, people from the Philly area, it seems like you strong, strongly identify as from the Philly area, not from Pennsylvania. Yeah, mostly just because Pennsylvania is like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. And then, uh, and those are like strong urban centers. And then there's mm-hmm. a ton of like farm people and like farmland. And it's two very different worlds, you know? Like it's yeah, hard to no, have I mean, a similarly, pride. um, I think almost everyone from Chicago identifies as from Chicago, not from Illinois, because Southern Illinois is a completely different place. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I was reading, uh, I read something that was, like, more philosophical, and, like, I know that there's a place for philosophy in this world. It's normally not with me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, not me either. But it, yeah, but it did bring up some good points, um, despite the fact that, again, I think philosophy is mostly fake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, this podcast, like, we've successfully not been too mean to philosophy or semantics yet, but, like... It's going it, to happen. It's going to be a theme. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. We're not sorry, but we do hope it doesn't alienate you. <laughs> dear, dear listeners. Anyway, but um, so it was called Home, Reach, and Sense of Place by someone named Anne Butter- but- Buttermer. And it's from an anthology. It was called The Human Experience of Sen- Space and Place, originally published in 1980. Okay, so I do have to say this first. The opening was part of the lyrics of Country Roads, the song. <laughs> oh, no. But, like, it did bring up a lot of things that got me thinking. Like, for example, what you were saying about people from Chicago and people from Philadelphia more strongly identifying as Chicagoan or Philadelphian than as their state. Um, mostly, <clears throat> uh, sh- like, it sort of mentioned that personal identity and cultural identity are basically like inextricable with your place identity and that sort of made me think like that basically you have to relate to the place that you're from to identify (laughs) with it like you have to be like the other people there and for a lot of like there are a lot of factors that go into that yeah and I don't feel like the people who live in rural Pennsylvania's lives have anything to do with me like (laughs) Other than the fact right, that we're definitely. both humans living in this world. <laughs> well, and living in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, right, I was, I read a, um, wait, do I have it here? Um, the, like, this is kind of a weirdly specific article, but I read, um, Perceptual Regions in Texas by T.G. Jordan in 1978, um, which was a study where, um, they, surveyed a bunch of people in Texas, mostly college students, but not all college students, and sort of asked them, like, you know, if there was a, um, like, sort of a a vernacular term for the, the region that they're from in Texas. Um, so side note, there are three different regions in Texas that are colloquially called, like, the free state of person's name and i feel like that tells you a lot about texas (laughs) um but like everyone had in texas seemed to like know the like vernacular name for their area um you know like whether like heart of texas or like heart of texas that was one of them yeah and a lot of them were like things like that and like you know the the golden triangle. There was a lot of uses of the word golden, you know, just stuff like that. Like they were mostly pretty, like not, not all of them were like, I, I didn't write down any of the, um, 
the negative ones, but some of them were hilarious. There was one. I think there was one that was like bog hole or something, <laughs> which is just as terrible. Oh my god! But um, you know, everyone knew the the like vernacular name for their region, but like that barely corresponded at all to any sort of like actual, you know, political divider, like you know, county lines or anything. It was pretty unrelated to that. So like. I don't really know how those things develop, but definitely people get a sense of identity for, I guess, presumably, or I guess our hypothesis can be, like, an area that's demographically similar to them that doesn't really have anything to do with, like, you know, official boundaries, which is why you can be, like, Philly area rather than, like, you didn't grow up in Philly, but you, you still feel strongly that you're you know, so like, that that's your identity as opposed to Pennsylvania. Well, I feel more strongly Delco than Philadelphia, definitely. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm not from Philadelphia, but, like, I think that the Delaware County experience is so strange that it's, like, what I identify the most with because it seems like no one else has lived like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there are some really specific Delco things that, like... You know, I can't truly understand as someone who didn't grow up there, but, like, yeah, it's it's a unique experience for sure. I mean, any living anywhere is. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's also true that there are some, like, um, you know, there, there's some, like, sometimes they do really adhere to, like, the official boundaries. Like, you know, my, my family home is a block away from St. Paul. But, like, I live in Minneapolis, and to say that I lived in St. Paul would be an insult to me. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, it would be an insult? Yeah, I mean, like, no one else is allowed to pick on St. Paul, but, like, they're worse than us. There's, like, I don't know if you've ever listened to Prairie Home Companion. Um, No, Shelby was, um, friend of the podcast Shelby, roommate of the podcast Shelby, (laughs) um, was actually talking to me about that last week. And as it turns out, I have never actually understood what Prairie Home Companion is until Shelby explained it to me. I thought it was like very old timey farm advice, like Little House on the Prairie style. I mean, I feel like in some ways it's kind of like a send up of that. And I think that's probably where the name comes from. And it's like such a Midwestern thing. But I think they do, I mean, they broadcast it nationally, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, you know, that's a, um, I haven't actually listened to it since Garrison Keillor went off the air, but um, the former host who hosted it for decades, Garrison Keillor, you know, he would record in St. Paul, in a theater in St. Paul most of the time. And there was a a running bit where he would call his mom, who lived in Minneapolis, and she would be like, oh, I'm so like, are you sure you don't want to come back and live in Minneapolis? I'm so concerned for you living out in that backwater, you know, like, it's just kind of rural and like, you know, I I think that that would be nicer for you to move back home to Minneapolis. (laughs) When like, again, these cities literally are right, like you cross the street to get from one to the other. Uh... (laughs) And, like, they're pretty similar in population size, but Minneapolis is bigger, and it's also better, and we believe that very strongly. Oh, that's very good. I think, does every town have a, like, inexplicable rival town? Or well, I every, mean, like, St. Paul is, like, a pretty explicable rival town, because it's, like, <laughs> the one that's right there. But, yeah, I mean, Why possibly. are there never ally towns, though? 
I mean, aren't like sister cities are a thing? Is that an ally town? I, I don't know. I think that's sister cities, which is like different from an ally. Okay. I mean, I do think it's like kind of a sibling relationship between the cities, right? Because like, again, we pick on St. Paul all the time, but like if you say like, oh, St. Paul, it's kind of, you know, backwater, kind of rural, like we would obviously have to defend it to the death because you can't, no, you're not allowed to call the Midwest rural, only we're allowed to call the Midwest rural. Oh, see, um, my high school's rival high school, like, we basically thought of our whole zone as, like, one place, but our rival high school was Ridley, and if anybody not from Ridley trusts Ridley to us, I'm pretty sure that we'd just be like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, well, I did, I, um, you know, I work in D.C., but, um, I have a coworker who actually went to my rival Minneapolis high school and I did kind of diss her high school in front of all our other co-workers and I feel kind of bad about that <laughs> but like it's southwest it sucks you've got to be true to you <laughs> <laughs> I mean but again like we would we're we're two Minneapolis high schools and we would team up against Edina because southwest is better than Edina obviously oh uh, yeah I guess, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So there's, like, a level of stacking regional pride where you will accept your rivals as one of your allies if there is an outside threat. So there's a lot of in-group, out-group stuff happening here. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, like, so much of it, I think, is, like, right, and same thing with, like, um, you know, if I'm in Minnesota and I meet someone from Chicago, you know, like, we wouldn't be, like, enemies obviously but like I wouldn't consider them like in my group but like on the east coast we're both in the group of midwesterner right oh that makes a lot of sense yeah I don't know it's really interesting and also I mean (laughs) this gets into a whole other issue which we maybe should do a different episode on I don't know but like um a lot of people define the midwest as being their state and the states directly surrounding it. (laughs) So there's no real consensus on where the Midwest is, but a lot of people feel that they're right at the heart of the Midwest. Yeah, I, you know, I've given up on understanding the Midwest and its geography. Yeah, well, I think as someone from the East Coast, it's a lost (laughs) cause for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even, I barely understand the Mid-Atlantic region and I'm in it. So I don't know what the Mid-Atlantic region is. Am I in it or am I just like in the South? You're I think you're in it. Um, I think that technically you're in the South because you're below Mason-Dixon line. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're just made <laughs> yeah. up these fake I mean, separations to have some great, fun. Yeah. Well, but right. I mean, that's like like the whole concept of um, social identity theory, which um, I read about as it was created in the 70s and 80s. Um, partially by Henry Tajful, whose name I'm definitely pronouncing wrong because he's Polish, I think. Um, but I, I read some stuff by him and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's about how people use groups to create their identities. So every interpersonal reaction is actually like somewhere on the continuum or some combination of um, interpersonal and inner group, where, like, you're interacting as individuals, but also representing every group that you're part of that the other person is not part of, which is a really interesting concept. 
Yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry, my podcast elixir got stuck in my throat. Oh, no. <clears throat> anyway, now I forgot what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, I have another thing to say just on that point, which is only sort of related, but, like, just on the concept of people, like, identifying really strongly with the groups that they're in as related to social identity theory, almost half of um, NCAA basketball and hockey fans uh, turned down a free five dollar bet against their team like if their team lost they could have got five dollars but they chose not to do that out of loyalty to their team that's really heartwarming actually it's like so sweet and like also pretty dumb but i love it yeah i don't uh, sports stories always warm my heart but i just like don't care about sports at all uh, yeah, oh. I mean, I care. I mean, we had an episode about how I know things about sports a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I can't really say that I don't care about sports, but I don't care about sports. Yeah, there's a continuum. No, yeah. but that's actually really interesting because I don't think I'd take a bet like that either because, like, I don't think $5 is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it probably depends on the team. Like, Minnesota Twins, yes, I would bet against them. I don't care about them. But, like, go for women's basketball, never, ever in your life (laughs) i wonder if like if there's something you could do with stocks related to that like if like selling stocks in your town or selling Hmm. selling stocks in something related to your town but that's a different experiment than this yeah definitely that's also actually like i was gonna mention that uh a thing that i saw while researching this and backed away from very quickly was more goddamn marketing research because people have town brands. People have town brands? Yeah, no, I mean, just, like, the idea of, like, building a brand for your city and, like, logo design and, like, what do people think of when they think of your city? And I did not read any of that stuff. (laughs) Exactly like Provo. (laughs) It's such a good flag, guys. I cannot stress enough. If you haven't looked at the picture of that flag yet and you're listening to this I did podcast, put it on our Tumblr, so you can go check it out there. Please. Just do yourself this favor. No, but I was also related to that. Like, doesn't Japan have mascots for its towns? Like, really yeah, cute Yeah, I think mascots. I've heard that. Right, yeah. so they do, like, branding that way. Yeah, I wonder if, like, their citizens really get behind it or if they think it's kind of, like kitschy i don't know probably both Um, yeah i wonder if that if that can actually like i wonder if people's reactions to that are dependent on their level of city pride or if designing those would actually positively influence city pride Ooh, i wonder but also i like i think that there would be two factors going into that um are we entering research design yeah we probably are Okay. Yeah, I think that we accidentally are entering, like, some preliminary research design. Um, But there would be two factors affecting that, though, which is, like, first of all, you have to have people with enough town pride to want to be a part of the creation of these characters in order to create them. And then after that, it could, like, the effects on town pride would be a different factor to measure. So... Mm -hmm. And okay, yeah, so that that bring me, brings me somewhat to a question that I actually had about, like, designing the study, which is how on earth do you me- measure people's pride in their region? Yeah, that's a good 
question. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was thinking um, we could do something where we sort of try to collect like people who volunteer to do works for their town, people who volunteer to just like, just, I don't know, write things for their town's tourism guide without any reward other than the fact that you're featured in there, that kind of thing. Like a sort of situation where you get volunteers to do something for their town with no with no reward for themselves. That's a really interesting idea. And that would actually be great because you could have a control group of just saying like, you know, do you want, like, do you want to write things for your town or do you just want to like also advertise for like we need volunteers just to like write informational articles you know and it's like not for your town and and compare those yeah the only thing there would be like i would be concerned about like making sure that we choose something that people could do across different demographics and across different like levels of education and different Mm -hmm. um different specific intelligences if that makes sense yeah, definitely. I right. I think it's really important um, to yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it, you could do this type of thing with a lot of different activities that um, different people are good at, and and just advertise. I mean, we'd probably have to do this in like different places. I guess like you can't just be in one small town and have a million of these things running at once. But oh, right. um, you know, just advertise like, do you want to like lead a a tour of the city or do you want to like volunteer as a tour guide in this museum that's not related to the city or you know like like things that um just just like various similar things that you ask people to do and like one of them is branded with their city or state or whatever and the other one is not yeah like um for example um my town has a beautification committee award thing and mm-hmm. it could like i think there's a difference between the signs that say like you've been recognized by the prospect park beautification committee versus like you've like you've been caught looking beautiful you know like one of them right, is definitely. very much aligned with the town and the other one is just like this is a nice garden great job yeah no and i, I mean this is just another garden thing so like it's kind of specific but um i think we have in Minneapolis, both, like, a, um, either a Minneapolis or a Twin Cities, like, garden walk thing that your house can be featured on, and then we also have one, um, just for my neighborhood, which is also called Prospect Park, so, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, you could sort of see whether, you know, if people wanted to be on the Prospect Park garden walk or the Minneapolis garden walk, like, what, you know, which of those groups did they feel more allegiance to? I can't believe there's another Prospect Park that everyone's going to get There's, like, so many Prospect Parks. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I I already get confused with the one in New York all the time. I mean, same. Really? Okay, whatever. Well, I mean, like, (laughs) no, like, just, like, if I mention ever, which I don't very often on the East Coast, but if I mention that I'm from Prospect Park, people will always assume that it's the one in New York. Like, no offense. Actually, this is... No, nope, I'm not going to say anything derisive about any city right now, but um, I cannot imagine you having been from New York at all. (laughs) Okay, I'm very concerned about the fact that that led with no offense. Yeah, no, I, here's the thing, I can't change it from no offense now, because what if someone from New York is listening and they're looking out the window and they're thinking, I used to like these people, I could have loved them. Okay, I mean, like, nothing wrong with New Yorkers, but... 
I would hate to live in New York. Your I city can't. is so much. It's too much. And you think you're the center of the universe. Sorry, New Yorkers, but you super do. And it's very annoying when you're not from New York. Okay, wait. But New York do- isn't the city that portrays itself as the center of the universe as much as just, like, all of our media portrays New York as the center of yeah, the no, universe? Yeah, no, I mean, it's not entirely their fault. Like, I think they do, like, sort of by their own legend. But, like, right. It's not... It's not just New Yorkers. Everyone's, like, very obsessed with New York, even though so many people live in other places in the country. Yeah, also, I just want to do a real quick call-out for Hamilton. I love you, Hamilton, but New York was is not the greatest city in the world. It was not <laughs> the greatest city in the world at the time. It was not the greatest yeah, city in the United States point. at the time. You guys forgot about Philadelphia. You guys forgot about Boston, <laughs> but you guys especially forgot about Philadelphia, the most American yeah. city in the United States. How dare you? Wow, did you know that they had early libraries? Because I sure have heard that a lot. <laughs> um, no, but, like, for real, like... Most media is focused on New York, but Broadway musicals are the most, the most focused on New York. Yeah, because you can't see a Broadway musical unless you are in New York, so they're pandering well, to their audience. Well, you can audience. see traveling shows, but yeah, they start in New York, and I, yeah. and I have, we, like, we could do a whole other, like, I could go on for another half hour just about how messed up the theater is in our country and how it shouldn't be all centered on literally one part of one city, but yeah, put that in your back pocket. Yeah, for... I will do that. That's for another time. Yeah, but this is actually like our our little New York discussion here is a little bit related. I think also to um, I I think that two places that have a lot of regional pride are um, the Midwest and Texas. And what both of those places have in common... Okay, well, I don't understand anything about Texas and Texas pride. <laughs> and, like, if someone wants to tell me about it, that's fine. But I don't know any... Like, they sure do have a lot of pride in Texas. We promise um, we won't mess with you. <laughs> we will try not to mess with Texas. <laughs> um, but uh, what, I, what I think what both of those places have in common is that they're considered flyover country. And I think a lot of... I mean, this is certainly not the only place that pride comes from, but, like, you know, if someone, like, is derisive of a thing that's part of your identity, I think one very common response to that is to, like, increase being that thing. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think that um, I didn't necessarily feel a lot of kinship with the rest of the Midwest until I realized that people were sort of very similarly dismissive of the entire Midwest. And then I was like, yes, that is what I am. Yeah, that's an effect that you see in a lot of different places. And I didn't do any research specifically into it. I know that there's a term for it, but I haven't really thought about it since, what, 12th grade? So, (laughs) but yeah, so there is this whole thing of pushing back against the, against people being derisive of you, um, like sort of defending your own turf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wonder, New York does seem to have a lot of pride in itself, but it generally doesn't have to do that. It doesn't really, no one's really saying like, New York doesn't have great things in it because New York does have a lot of really great things in it. And yeah, I mean, right. If, it, if anything, people are saying like, right, New York, we get it. You're great. Please <laughs> stop talking about yourself. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, is that also another aspect of pride, not just, like, 
getting together in order to avoid people making fun of you because they think that you're not good enough versus getting together to avoid people making fun of where you come from because they are just tired of hearing you bragging. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'd have to talk to some New Yorkers. Yeah. Anyway, so we do have to make a research project. We do have to make a research project. I don't have any really great... I, well, I have, like, a very ridiculous idea. Please. Um, Which I, I think it only really works if we have a very specific hypothesis that's, like... Like, you know, if if we hypothesize that a major contributing factor to people identifying with where they're from is population size, then what we could do is take a bunch of people and sort of like reality show style like just relocate them into groups (laughs) and just make them live them there for a while and like observe how they interact abby yeah you just invented utopia or the comedy i forget which one i can yeah i don't i have not seen utopia but um i would believe it yeah Okay, so we not that a reality let's not show. Do that though, because it's <laughs> it was a failure. Uh, yeah. Okay, so like I love that. I love the ideas we're bringing to the table today. I think they're great. <laughs> I do think that you just invented a reality show to be a research project, and I do think that that would have some effects on. Yeah, our... and well, I mean, it's just like it's it's so much not like reality, which is why I think that we. Um, like, could only use it. Like, I think what we could get out of this is specifically, you know, if we if we put people in different sized groups and sort of watched how they interacted, we could see if there was, like, a stronger feeling of, like, solidarity in the larger groups or the smaller groups, and, you know, maybe that would, like, tell you something. It wouldn't really tell you anything that was applicable to, like, actual cities and states, because it's yeah. so different from that. Abby, did you know that someone's already done that? It's called the entire Earth. I mean, yeah, but like... Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to burn you a little bit. I'm sorry. I... No, I refuse. Like, wow, Amy, why do you ever do a small controlled study when you could just look at the entire Earth? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just... I'm sorry. I Sometimes I feel like I can be mean, but then I do it and then I instantly feel very bad. I, I mean, I just feel like it was a bad burn is the thing. Like, wow, yeah. why do we even do experiments? Jeez. True, Scientists. True. I'm just saying that, like, those things that you described do exist. And they are large cities. And we can just also look at how people interact in the places they already live without yeah. making no, a I mean, new I really place like, for them. To you know, live. I think we can... The thing that we talked about earlier of, like, measuring pride... Like, I think that doing that would be good. And then, you know, you could do it. Like, I think a a nice thing to do would be to find a bunch of, like, comparable, for example, I guess, like, comparable cities and advertise things um, in towns. You'd want to do it in small towns, too. Mm -hmm. Like, advertise, do you want to volunteer just in general versus do you want to volunteer for your city versus do you want to volunteer for your state or region And, like, we could definitely get data from that and analyze it, you know, by different demographic factors and stuff. There's just, like, like, we have, I feel like it would be nice to narrow down to, like, an actual hypothesis here. But I think there's just, like, so many factors that could potentially influence it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that homogeny could influence it. I think that um, the degree of change in a town could negatively influence, like, the degree of change over time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that there are a lot of things like the size of the town and the number of, like, the different kind of opportunities, the different kind of jobs that are available, the sectors in in which those jobs interact. There is so much going on that, like, we definitely have to pick one or two of those things to look at specifically. Um, But I do think that, like, this would be a valid way to go about finding the answers Mm -hmm. to some of those factors. I also just want to really quickly say that before we do these studies, we should probably see if volunteers for volunteers who volunteer within their communities tend to have a higher degree of pride in their communities. We should make sure that there's either existing research showing that or we should do that research ourselves Mm -hmm. just to make sure that we're not like doing this on a flawed premise. Yeah, right. No, we would definitely have to do some research there. I mean, right, there's, like, this is a big topic and there's lots of different things we would have to explore here. I think, as I've probably already made clear in this episode, the hypothesis that I'm most interested in is that people are more likely to identify with, like, small homogenous groups or, but I think it might actually be something like, um you know, the biggest group that people feel like represents them or something like that. I don't know. It's like, I don't really feel especially patriotic towards America because I don't really, like, yeah, it's a group that I'm in, but like, I, you know, I don't feel ownership of it. But like, I guess Minnesota is the next biggest group that I don't actually live in, but, you know, feel that I feel like I'm part of. Yeah. And the United States is so insular that like, we don't really have the opportunity to feel any um, in-group bias, really, because we don't meet people who aren't from here because <laughs> yeah, we're huge. Generally. Yeah, so um, there's that. And when also. we do meet people who aren't from here, like, where they're from is usually better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of countries. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, but, like, most people that I meet are, like, Canadians, right? So, like... Oh, yeah, Midwest. It's a different world. <laughs> but yeah, so we I don't know if like doing public works proje- projects would be able to define what the largest group that you identify with is, though. Um, the largest group which you with which you strongly identify that is. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I think like, I guess the the two sort of factors that I'm mostly focusing on here are, right, the size of the group. And um, how homogenous the group is demographically. So those are both things that, like, we can get that, you know, from basically any survey, like the census. So I think we could, you know, maybe do some analysis. I mean, the pro- like, we'd have to identify some, like, regions, you know, like the Midwest or, um, I guess, like a, a metro area or whatever that aren't necessarily... Um, political regions but but like we can use data and you know computers to figure out for any given person um what are the different regions that they belong to and how homogenous are those regions and then once we figured that out we could use the um the volunteering thing as a way to measure which group they identify with most strongly oh i like that 
I never think to just like use computers or data. (laughs) So I'm glad that you bring that to the table. (laughs) This is good. This is our dynamic. I always suggest like the, you know, buzzword big data thing. And you suggest like some really like wacky, like experimental thing. And somewhere we land somewhere in the middle. It's solid. (laughs) Which, yeah, we're a dream team. (laughs) There you go. Hire us to do research because we're great at it. Yeah, you can't see it, but we're posing, probably. Yeah, we have a super cool power pose that we're doing from several states apart, but it's, like, in perfect unison. (laughs) Yeah, so, I... Should we conclude? Oh, right! Abby, would would you like to speculate wildly about the results of this study? Well, I kind of already said, and it's not that wild, but, I mean, I don't know, so it is wild. Um... I kind of already said that I think that I don't know what the threshold for homogeneity is, but um, I think that people will identify most strongly with the um, either the biggest group that that is homogenous with them or that they feel is homogenous with them, which might be a different thing. But um, I guess I'll go with with the biggest group that is mostly homogenous with them. Uh, do you have any wild speculation? Um, well, my or wild results, speculation. As we call them. My wild speculation about our results is that we are going to find that places that have strong rivalries that they encounter often are going to have the most pride, but we are going to lose our research in cities such as Minneapolis and St. Paul because they are going to steal each other's results and destroy them in a fit of jealous (laughs) rage. (laughs) I I mean, again, I don't think that we... Because, like, we we would still want... You know, primarily our goal would be for the Twin Cities and Minneapolis to, like, beat out the other states in the country and the other cities. So, like, I mean, I yeah, I think we, we may have some rivalry going, but, like, mostly we're in it together against the wider world. Gross. <laughs> Rude. Um, so, Amy, who's going to fund this study? Um... I believe that the entity that will fund this study is going to be the state of Delaware, because (laughs) I've never met anyone who felt strong pride about it, and I think that the state of Delaware has a vested interest in having a group of people who live there and are excited about something other than tax-free shopping. And, like, history stuff? Like, I feel like their oh, license yeah, plates first say... state or whatever. Yeah. But their license plates still say the first state. The entire history of America has happened, and they haven't thought of anything better than that. <laughs> That's a solid point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Delaware, please. There, You've done other things. I Have think. they, though? Uh, you know, okay. if you're from Delaware... Let us know. <laughs> yeah, sorry for... I mean, like, Delaware is not the only state that we've been mean to here, but sorry yeah. for being... For picking on you, Delaware. If you're from Philadelphia or Minnesota, you're welcome. Every other state, <laughs> prepare for a long-form apology. N- well, don't, because we're not going to apologize, but, like, I guess if you want to tell us why your state is good, you can do that. Yeah, send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, where can they email us? Oh, they can email us at moreresearchcast at gmail.com, a bespoke email experience. I, sure. 
at gmail so super bespoke you can also if you have any less than 140 character thoughts about your states you can send them to our twitter which is more research underscore um and abby i believe we also have a tumblr (laughs) we do and you can uh send us asks there if you want um although i don't know why that would be your primary method of communication uh or you can reblog things from us there and that's more research com. And we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and a bunch of other podcasters. Most places that you would get podcasts. And if you were inclined to review or rate us, that would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Also, just talk to us about, I mean, talk to us about your states, but like anything else that you want to talk to us about, like if you have any ideas for things that we should talk about, we would be happy to take those. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, oh, and we also have to do a quick acknowledgement to our music, which is Marie Curie by The Crips from the album Discover Science. Great. Do you have anything to say in a sign-off? Uh, until next time, buy yourself a balanced vitamin supplement and stay curious. Why not? Give some bad names. Marie, Marie, Marie Curie. She's the type of scientist I wanna be. Winning those Nobels left and right. Still that bitch blowing into overnight. Marie, Marie, Marie Curie. She's the type of scientist I wanna be. Winning those Nobels left and right. Still that bitch blowing into overnight. Richard. Hey, Kelly. Do you like animation? Heck yes. What's your favorite animated show? Naruto. You're wrong. Oh. If you want to get the right answers, come join our resident experts, Richard and Kelly, as they discuss, comment, and dissect anything and everything pertaining to animation. The show is called Animate the World, and you can find us on iTunes, where we upload every single Tuesday with a new episode. Yeah. And then you won't be a sad little lonely nerd anymore. Like me. Don't be like us. Don't be like us. See you then. See you then.